are on the line. Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn on ESPN 1067 or online on FoxSports983.com and ESPNAU.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Daw. Join the show by calling in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7500. You're on the line with Noah Gardner on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Happy Friday, everybody. Happy weekend and happy bowl season. Programming note, as mentioned yesterday, today is a pre-recorded special edition of On the Line, our On the Line Bowl Special as we preview every single bowl game on the schedule and help you make your picks for every single one, minus the first game of bowl season, which took place earlier today in the Bahamas Bowl, 11 a.m. ESPN, that taking place between Middle Tennessee and Toledo. I picked Toledo in that matchup at the time that this is being pre-recorded. They're actually about to kick off. So hopefully I end up being correct about that matchup. But once again, today, a pre-recorded episode, so no phone lines are open. But buckle up, get your notepad out. We're going to take you to school, and we're going to break down every single matchup and help you make all of your bull picks for this special holiday season. We're going to start with the game tonight, the Tell Greeter Cure Bowl, 5 p.m. on ESPN2, Northern Illinois against Coastal Carolina. Northern Illinois, your MAC champions at 9 and four this season coastal carolina a disappointing year compared to what they did last season they go 10 and 2 this year but last year trying to follow up with some of that momentum that they generated with grayson mccall finishing in that bowl game against liberty you expected coastal carolina to play in the sunbelt championship game that ended up not happening and now you've got a coastal carolina team that's looking to finish this year with 11 wins still a great year for coastal carolina but not as good as maybe some of the experts predicted So much of football is predicated on the quarterback position, making your quarterback comfortable and the other quarterback uncomfortable. I'm going to be talking about that a lot on today's show is quarterback play and how that manifests itself during bowl season in terms of wins and losses. Coastal is bringing the battle-tested and efficient play of Grayson McCall into this contest. He started for multiple years at Coastal Carolina. He's been extremely efficient. He's got a big play arm. He's able to also contribute with his legs. He's averaging 12.1 yards per attempt, and he's got 23 touchdowns to just three interceptions. On the other side of things for Northern Illinois, Michigan State transfer Rocky Lombardi has hasn't been nearly as efficient as you would expect a Big Ten transfer coming into the MAC. You'd expect him to be more efficient than what he's done this year, which is 13 TDs to just eight interceptions. Also, talking about making Rocky Lombardi uncomfortable, he's going to have to deal with the Chanticleer pass rusher, Josiah Stewart, and good luck keeping him out of the backfield. He's got 13 sacks this season, 16 tackles for lost. Northern Illinois has given up over 30 points per game on defense. I just don't see them making Grayson McCall that uncomfortable. I think he's going to have a field day. Give me the shot to clears to win in the Tell Greeter Cure Bowl tonight at 5 p.m. on ESPN2. Moving into tomorrow's slate of games, roofclaim.com Boca Raton Bowl, 10 a.m. ESPN. The sun is rising early. 
in the state of Florida. Western Kentucky 8-5 against Appalachian State 10-3. App State played in the Sunbelt Championship game, lost to Louisiana Lafayette in a close one. Western Kentucky played in the Conference USA Championship game and lost in a close one to UTSA. It's almost always a style clash when an air raid team hits the field it's like playing a triple option team except through the air you just don't see these teams too often there's probably not an air raid team in your conference and if there is there's only one these are so hard to predict how they will play out when there are style clashes because each of these teams obviously they got to a bowl game they do their specific style well I'm airing on the side of things that Appalachian State's track record, that their reputation, that their talent, the fact that they've been challenged more in the Sun Belt is going to help them be more prepared for this game over Western Kentucky. I see Appalachian State being able to control the game on the ground, disrupt Western Kentucky's passing game, and if you disrupt the Hilltopper passing game, you cut the head off of the snake. They don't have much in the way of a rushing attack. They had like negative rushing yards in the Conference USA Championship game. Opposing quarterbacks are just completing 55% of their passes against Ab State. I'm a little concerned on the other side of things with the rate at which Western Kentucky is turning over opponents with the Hilltoppers forcing 2.1 takeaways per game. That'll be something to watch out for that could be an equalizer in this game. But I think Appalachian State's defense and how well they defend the pass and then on the flip side on offense, their ability to put the ball on the ground and run the football, that is going to help them control this game and maybe force a turnover or two from Bailey Zapp on the other side from Western Kentucky. That ultimately will help them win a close one in the Boca Raton Bowl once again tomorrow 10 a.m. ESPN. Moving to the PUBG Mobile New Mexico Bowl at 1.15 p.m. on ESPN. UTEP at 7-5, struggled their way to a bowl appearance, but nonetheless, it's good to see the Miners in the postseason. This is something that they do not do often. They go against a Fresno State side that is not strangers to playing in bowl season. They finished the year 9-3 and and gave some Pac-12 schools all that they could handle. The real question here is if Fresno quarterback Jake Hayner will play after returning to the team from the transfer portal really weird situation here so Kalen DeBoer chooses to go and fill the head coaching vacancy at Washington Jake Hayner enters the transfer portal you think Hayner may end up following his head coach to Washington instead Fresno State hires their former head coach before DeBoer Jeff Tedford to return as the head coach at Fresno State this is the guy who recruited Jake Hayner Jake Hayner returns out of the transfer portal to his team not something that you see often it is possible but still it brings up questions whether or not he will play and mum is the word right now from Fresno State's side with their interim head coach right now of whether or not they will start Hayner or they will start one of the backups regardless of the awkward situation at quarterback though Fresno State I believe has enough quality outside of the position to still win this game over UTEP if he does play if Hayner does end up starting I think this ends up being a blowout and it's one of my most confident picks across all of bowl season but if he does it I understand that a backup quarterback can change things for a team and possibly make this a lot closer than it would be if Hayner did end up starting 
UTEP doesn't have a whole lot in the way of anything efficient on the offensive side of the football. Their quarterback, Gavin Hardison, has just 16 touchdowns to 12 interceptions with a 56% completion percentage. They don't run the ball well to go along with that failing passing game. They only average 3.9 yards per carry. Fresno's defense can put pressure on quarterbacks. They can defend the run, and they can force turnovers. I think Fresno's a good enough football team through and through outside of the quarterback position that's going to help them win this ball game, even if Jake Hayner doesn't end up starting in the New Mexico Bowl. Moving further into the afternoon, Radiance Technologies Independence Bowl, 2.30 p.m. on ABC UAB, 8-4 out of the Conference USA, taking on number 13 BYU, who comes into the ballgame at 10-2. BYU has run with and beaten several Power 5 teams this year. It is clear that there is a bit of a talent divide between these two teams, whereas UAB really hasn't beaten any of the good teams in Conference USA this year. That's not a knock on the Blazers. That's just the reality. That's just the fact. I have a lot of respect for this UAB football team, for Bill Clark. I think they're well run. I think they're disciplined. I think they're fun to watch. But there is a clear talent divide here between them and BYU, whereas BYU seems to field more Power 5 talent and talent that can beat Power 5 teams. They ran with Baylor earlier this year. They beat USC. They beat Utah, who's playing in the Rose Bowl. BYU's got the dudes and the athletes, whereas I don't know if UAB necessarily has the athleticism to keep up here. But with that being said, UAB's defense versus BYU's offense is the matchup here. With the tempo that UAB runs, the amount of points that they're capable of scoring is capped out, and it's capped out in the mid to high 20s in this game, especially considering I have still respect for BYU's defense. Once again, go back to the points I made earlier. They've got athletes. They've got dudes. They're not a bad defensive football team, and UAB's issues on offense are more about their passing game and themselves rather than opponents being great defensive football teams. If UAB's defense gives up big plays, which they haven't really done all year, but once again, I still go back to the talent divide. I think BYU will still be able to find enough points to win this ball game. If UAB's defense gives up big plays and allows BYU to hit 30 points relatively quickly, this thing's over. I think UAB is going to play good defense for a half, and then ultimately BYU is going to wear them down and end up winning this football game. That talent is going to win out. Give me the 13th-ranked Cougars to win in the Independence Bowl. Moving on to the Lending Tree Bowl at 4.45 p.m. on ESPN. Eastern Michigan against Liberty. Two 7-5 football teams going head-to-head in this one. Liberty, a disappointing year. An independent, they're not in a conference, but Liberty with a disappointing year after what they did last season. It seemed like Malik Willis regressed a little bit from the type of production that he had a season ago. The initial thing that sticks out to me in this game is the battle on the ground. Eastern Michigan is giving up five yards per carry, which isn't a good recipe when you're going against Malik Willis and the Flames. They like to run the football. That is the heart of what they do. Liberty's offense is predicated on putting the ball on the ground and establishing that attack. On the flip side, Eastern Michigan needs their passing game to be successful Liberty has a decent pass rush, and Eastern Michigan places out of the top 100 in sacks allowed. Eagle quarterback Ben Bryant will make some big plays in this game, but I think at the end of the day, he's going to struggle against Liberty's secondary with the pass rush bearing down on him. 
this is another game where I think there's a clear difference in athleticism and talent. I know they are two seven and five teams, but Liberty has a track record of being able to compete with power five football teams. They may not have won some of those games that they won last year. They may not have won some of those games this year on this year's schedule. Lost to Syracuse. That was a team that they beat last year. Lost to Ole Miss by 10 this season, but still they were competitive in those games. And that tells you that there is a clear talent divide here between Liberty and a middling Mac school and the Mac may have been the worst conference in all of football this year alongside the Conference USA so I like Liberty to win this game I think the talent wins out in this one Jimmy Kimmel LA ball presented by Stifle at 6 30 p.m. on ABC Utah State at 10 and 3 Mountain West champions in blowout fashion over San Diego State they play Oregon State who is coming in at 7 and 5 and although the Beavers are favored in this game the ESPN split on the bowl predictions for bowl mania have about two-thirds of the folks out there going with Utah State and that's the direction I'm leaning here as well it's another clash of styles game where the two teams each do something well and should be able to continue it going into this game I'm riding the hot hand of Utah State into this game. They just played a similar team to Oregon State in the Mountain West Championship game in San Diego State, so they have to have some confidence against these ground-and-pound types, these teams that are built on running the football well and playing good defense just because they don't have the most efficient passing game in the world. I'm expecting the Aggies to dig in, stop the run, which will significantly slow down the Beaver offense that once again is predicated on that rushing attack. Then it comes down to the quarterbacks and breaking down the two quarterbacks playing in this game. I think Utah State quarterback Logan Bonner has enough in him to outduel Oregon State. Bonner helps Utah State put up over 300 yards a game through the air. He has 36 touchdowns to 11 interceptions. This Utah State team is good enough. They're not scared. They played in the Mountain West Championship game and just beat San Diego State, a top 25 team for pretty much the entire year. They're not scared of Oregon State. If anything, they're relishing the opportunity to knock off another Pac-12 school. And if I remember correctly, Utah State earlier this season, first game of the year, beat Washington State. They can win this ball game. Washington State's bowling, by the way, and we'll get to theirs later on in the show. This is going to be an entertaining game with some momentum shifts because, once again, I think these two styles of play, Utah State's not going to blow them out or anything. This is going to be a good game, and the two styles of play, they're going to be able to establish them, and I think they're both going to be able to do what they want to do, but at the end of the day, I think the difference there is the quarterback play and Logan Bonner being able to open this game up a little bit. RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl 8:15 p.m. ESPN number 23 Louisiana at 12 and 1 against Marshall who is 7 and 5. Ah yes, a bowl game that's name has stood the test of time. Every year you can expect first week in a bowl season RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl. You got all these other ones now, Tony the Tiger's Sun Bowl, Cheese It Bowl. I'm feeling the cheesiest coach. Hey, this one, you know it's a staple. I'm loving it. I value the quality of the top teams in the Sun Belt, which is a big reason why I am leaning towards Louisiana in this one. I know they're without Billy Napier, but I still think they're coming into this game incredibly motivated. They have never won 13 games in a season before. This is actually the first year that they've ever won 12, and they've won 12 straight since losing to Texas in week one. 
This was a year where so many people were tempted to ride with Coastal Carolina to win the league just because of what they did last year. But instead, it was Louisiana who rose to the occasion and carried the flame all season long. The culture is strong with this team, even with Billy Napier headed to Florida. It is established. It is ingrained in each one of those players. And I expect that paired with the motivation to finish the season with 13 wins for Louisiana. That's going to carry the Raging Cajuns to the win over Marshall. Nothing against Marshall. They are a staple in bowl season as well. I think they're a pretty good football team, but they have never won 13 games, that being Louisiana. And I think that is something they are going to strive for in this one. Marshall also hasn't beaten one of the better teams in their own conference, kind of a middling team in the Conference USA this year. So I lack confidence on that side where the Conference USA just hasn't been very good this year and has not been as good as the Sun Belt. Additionally, the Thundering Herd are rather turnover happy. So if you're looking for things on the gridiron outside of motivation for why you should pick Louisiana, Marshall's turned the ball over over two times a game. So you've got a disciplined team on one side that's incredibly motivated going against one of the other side that's just looking to get to eight and five and they turn the ball over a lot, not nearly as disciplined. I like Louisiana to win this ball game. We're going to head to a quick break on On the Line, and when we come back, we're going to get into the first SEC game of the bowl season, as well as some other entertaining matchups, possibly one of the most enticing matchups of the bowl season, and it's featuring two group of five teams. We talk about that when we come back. Pre-recorded show today, the On the Line Bowl special. We'll be back on the other side of this break. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner here with you on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central, Alabama. Programming no pre-recorded show today, so phone lines are closed, but they will be opened back up from 4 to 6 p.m. on the drive with Bill Cameron. But stay right here. We've got a special edition of the On the Line Bowl Special holiday season bowl games are here toledo and middle tennessee state at the time that i'm recording this playing in the bahamas bowl i'm taking you through every single bowl game minus the bahamas bowl to help you make your picks and get you set for the bowl season we have already rattled along through today's slate of games and saturdays we are moving into next week on monday the myrtle beach bowl presented by tax act 1 30 p.m espn and i promise we are going to wade through some of these nasty bowl games between conference usa and mac we've got the first sec game coming up in this segment and also one that does feature a couple of group of five teams that is going to produce one of the best bowl games i believe of the entire season so let's get into it myrtle beach bowl presented by tax act 1 30 p.m espn on monday old dominion against tulsa two six and six teams this may be the ugliest game of bowl season easy may end up being the ugliest game we watch of the entire bowl season neither of these teams can throw the football they have no passing games. If anything, they throw to the other team more than they throw to their own teammates. Tulsa's quarterback, Davis Brent, has 16 TDs to 16 interceptions. Old Dominion's passing game on the year between two different quarterbacks has 14 TDs to 13 interceptions. After watching Tulsa punch above their weight class in a few games this year, though, they competed with Cincinnati. They competed with Oklahoma State. I feel like they're the better team. They play in the American Athletic Conference. That's clearly a tougher conference compared to Old Dominion being in the Conference USA. Tulsa defends the passing game better than Old Dominion does. They've just got better talent on defense. That is going to end up playing out in a victory for the Golden Hurricane. 
Turnovers will still be the thing to watch in this one, though, because once again, I go back to Tulsa's quarterback, Davis Brin, 16 interceptions. On the other side, Old Dominion has 13 total interceptions on the year. Whichever one of these teams turns the ball over more than the other team, that team will end up losing. So that could end up still being Tulsa. There's not a whole lot to split these teams. I'm just going with Tulsa because I think they're the more talented bunch. Moving into Tuesday, the famous Idaho Potato Bowl, 2.30 p.m. ESPN. Talk about another one of those Mac Mountain West matchups. Kent State at 7-6, taking on Wyoming, who comes in at 6-6. Kent State lost in the MAC championship game to Northern Illinois. Northern Illinois was avenging a loss to Kent State from earlier in the season. Wyoming, on the other hand, rather inconsistent play all year long. A physical, slow-you-down type of team needs to run the football because their passing game is absolutely horrific. This is another game that I don't feel great about picking because neither of these teams is overly impressive. These teams would be in the running for the worst teams to appear in bowl season. I'm leaning, though, on conference reputations to help me make my selection, which I value the Mountain West more than the MAC this year. I go back to the MAC may have been the worst conference in all of football this year. Don't get it wrong. These two teams are about running the football, and they do that well, and that's pretty much it. That's all they do well is run the football. They just do it in different ways. Kent State's going to speed you up. Wyoming wants to slow you down. Wyoming's going to get under center. Kent State's going to get in the shotgun. May even have some option tendencies to it. Dustin Crum likes to run the football out of the quarterback position for the Golden Flashes. While Kent State does live up to their nickname of the Golden Flashes, I go back to it's about the level of competition for me. Wyoming beat Northern Illinois earlier in the year 50-43 to 43, so, that, so we know that they can score on MAC competition. That happened. And they were also able to score at different intervals against some good Mountain West defenses. Once again, they got to 6-6 six and six out of a relatively difficult group of five conference. So I think Kent State, on the flip side, though, that you know Northern Illinois was able to score on Wyoming. And I think Kent State will be able to find some points in this one, too. But inevitably, Wyoming's talent's going to win out. I think they'll, they'll be able to control the game in their style, be able to be a little bit more physical than Kent State. So I'm going to take Wyoming to win this one. Still don't feel great about it, though. One of the most enticing matchups of the entire bowl season and probably the most enticing that features two group of five teams, the Tropical Smoothie Cafe Frisco Bowl, 6.30 p.m. ESPN. UTSA coming into the game at 12-1 and against number 24 San Diego State at 11-2. UTSA won the Conference USA title game. San Diego State lost to Utah State at the Mountain West Championship game. Two of the best teams in the group of five colliding with a Western field. There's only enough room for one of us in Frisco. And I think that's going to end up being San Diego State when it's all said and done. I look back at UTSA's game against UAB a couple of weeks ago to find a team that has a defense in the same range as San Diego State. And Roadrunner running back Sincere McCormick was held to just 65 yards on the ground. San Diego State is used to this stage also, while UTSA is not. They are not commoners to bowl season. San Diego State is over here 5-5 five and five in their last 10 bowl games, which is a deceptively good record for a group of five teams in bowl games. Not to mention, they've been to 10 bowl games in the last 11 years. They are here often, and they're no strangers to the top 25 either. They're consistently one of the best teams in the Mountain West. That is better talent at the end of the day 
than UTSA. Now, that's not me knocking UTSA. I think they're a very good group of five team this year, and that's why I like this game a lot. But when I break it down, I saw UTSA at the end of the year struggle with teams that were physical, that liked to run the football, that had good defenses. I saw them struggle against those teams. And San Diego State is better than UAB. San Diego State is better than North Texas, who UTSA lost to. And so ultimately, I think San Diego State's the way that they've been challenged in the Mountain West and how good and their track record and their reputation, it's like what I was saying about Appalachian State earlier in the show. San Diego State looks the part. They fit the part. They are everything as advertised, whereas UTSA, to me, the way that they ended the season makes me question them just a little bit more. These are the types of games that the Aztecs flourish in. They've been here. I already said they're not strangers. This is going to be a fun one. But a big part about this game and something that I don't think is being talked about enough, you look at the recruiting footprint of these two programs, and they're going into Southern California if you're San Diego State and you're in Southwest Texas if you're UTSA, maybe other parts of those massive states for recruiting. They're able to go and find some of the players that weren't maybe able to make it to the power five but that's just because the state is so massive there's so many players to choose from they're still really good players there's the phrase a three-star in california or a three-star in florida or a three-star in texas is a four-star everywhere else there's secretly some really good players playing in this bowl game watch this one 6 30 p.m espn that is coming up on tuesday december 21st your first SEC game of the bowl schedule, Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl, 7 p.m. ESPN. Missouri at 6-6 six and six and Army at 8-4. and four. Army almost beat Wake Forest earlier this year, so I don't see why this isn't possible. And yes, I am about to pick Army to beat an SEC school. Missouri is going to be able to throw the ball. Let's just go ahead and establish some consistencies, some baseline facts. Missouri's going to be able to throw the ball. They have SEC quality players, and that is what they do well. They throw the football well with Connor Basilek at quarterback. They've got some good receivers. They can get Tyler Beatty out of the backfield involved in the passing game. Missouri is going to move the ball some in this ballgame. Likewise, I think Army is going to be able to do what they do well against Missouri's defense, and that is run the football. Army, a triple option team. Missouri not used to playing this. And their run defense, Missouri's that is, is horrible. They give up over five yards per carry. Doesn't matter who it's against. They struggled against North Texas earlier this year. They struggled against Central Michigan. Those two teams are bowling, and we'll talk about their matchups coming up on the show. They struggled against teams that had inferior talent to them, and those teams scored. Central Michigan put up like 24 or 28 points. North Texas scored in the 30s. I don't see why Army can't do it. They scored in the 40s or 50s against Wake Forest. Right, they scored 56 against Wake Forest. Wake Forest scored 70, but I don't think Missouri's going to score 70. They don't have the same level of offensive prowess that Wake Forest has. There's a big reason why Missouri's 6-6 six and six and Wake Forest is at 10 wins. Missouri's given up over 200 rushing yards per game. That just doesn't sound like a good recipe for success against this Army football team. That is going to be magnified in this contest. Army may get close to 400 on the ground. Talking about motivation also in this one, Missouri may not want to be in this bowl game. They may not want to be playing. It's not one of the better bowl games. They're 6-6. Six and six. It's been a rough year. It's been disappointing compared to the optimism that they had come again. What better way 
to move on if you're Army from losing to Navy. Talk about motivation. What better way to move on from losing to Navy a couple of weeks ago than to beat an SEC team? I think Army is going to come in extremely motivated with more motivation than Missouri. And I think that is going to help them get over the top in this one. Army is going to give Missouri their best shot. And I think it's enough because it was almost enough against Wake Forest earlier this year. We almost saw it. Missouri's just a much worse version of Wake Forest. Give me the Black Knights to win this game. We're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, we are going to get into more SEC games as well as the slate heating up a bit as we get closer to Christmas on the bowl schedule. We'll be back. You're listening to the On the Line Bowl Special. On the Line Bowl Special here on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama pre-recorded show today. So phone lines are closed, but they'll be open for the drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Pack live from 4 to 6 p.m. So stay tuned for that. But we are going through every single bowl game here on ESPN 106.7. And we've already gone through a handful at the beginning of the bowl season. Now we're going to take you through Christmas with the Camellia Bowl. we got another four or five right here that we're going to run through. And then we'll get to the other side of Christmas as we close out our number one. Moving along, we just wrapped up December 22nd with the first SEC Bowl game with Missouri and Army. Now we're going to go back to Frisco. Who knew that Frisco was a hot spot for the bowl season? The Frisco Football Classic, 2.30 p.m. ESPN on December 23rd. North Texas against Miami University, two 6-6 six and six football teams. Another couple of teams here where this is not the best matchup because they are not the two best football teams that you will see. Honestly, they're in that bottom tier of teams that you'll see across the bowl schedule. But the mean green are red hot. They went from 1-6 to 6-6 with their current five-game winning streak. They punctuated their season with a 45-23 win over UTSA. North Texas runs about 80 plays a game, and 50 of them are rushes. With Kent State having gashed Miami, Ohio a few weeks ago and the way North Texas is playing right now, I like the Mean Green to pull this one out. Not going to spend too much time talking about North Texas, Miami University. Here's what you need to know. One of these teams is scorching hot and the other team doesn't defend the run well. North Texas likes to run the football. Mean Green get meaner. They win the Frisco Football Classic and what is kind of a home game for these guys. Miami's got to go across the country to go to Texas and North Texas is right there in their backyard. Another SEC game here, and this is one that we've been waiting for for a long time. Union Home Mortgage Gas Barilla Bowl, 6 p.m. ESPN, UCF at 8-4, and four, wobbling into the postseason with some injuries at quarterback and at other places on the roster. They have been playing some of their poorer football of the season against some inferior competition they take on florida who's at six and six and they've been through the ringer as well just hired billy napier as their head coach lost dan mullen lost several guys off of their staff emory jones just announced that he's going to be transferring but he plans to play in this bowl game anthony richardson's hurt and won't be playing i mean all across the board there's some chaos and some dysfunction on the florida sideline You could probably make the same point about UCF from an injury standpoint, but I think you're going to get great preparation from this coaching staff, and I think you're going to get a great effort from these players because they're UCF playing Florida. This is the fight that they've been trying to pick for a long time, 
And that's what's making this one so difficult to pick because finally a state school that is Florida, Miami, or Florida State has to play UCF. And this isn't a big one. This isn't a big matchup for Gus Malzahn trying to make a statement at the end of his first year at UCF. In the past, albeit with more talented teams than this, we've seen UCF get up for games just like this one. They beat Auburn and they pushed LSU in the Peach Bowl when UCF was at its peak a couple of years ago. Gus Malzahn knows how important this game is. Expect him to have one of his best game plans of this season. And don't tell me it's not possible because he beat Nick Saban on a semi-regular basis. I'm also not sure how dialed in Florida is for this bowl game, especially with the news that Emory Jones is transferring out of the program. It's a little awkward that he's playing in this game, yet he's transferring. I'm not sure how to evaluate this game because on the one hand, I do think Florida is a lot more talented and I think Florida is a lot better of a team than UCF. But I think UCF's got the motivation factor in their favor in this game. UCF quarterback Mikey Keene has a hard time throwing the ball down the stretch, or he has been having a hard time throwing the football down the stretch, even against teams like USF and Tulane. They're facing a Florida secondary that is probably one of the better aspects of the entire team. They're capable of hurting that side of UCF's game. It's going to make UCF one-dimensional. I'm still going to take Florida and their talent, especially with Emory Jones playing at quarterback. I like Florida's players more than UCF in this one. I think the matchup even favors the Gators to a degree just because UCF is one-dimensional at this point. And that's not Gus Malzahn's fault. Dylan Gabriel got hurt. Quarterback play fell apart for them having to go to the backups. That's not Malzahn's fault. He just hasn't been able to build things out at UCF yet, but he's got one of the best recruiting classes in all of the group of five. I'm still leaning Florida here, though, in the Gasparilla Bowl. Moving along now to Christmas Eve, easy post-Hawaii Bowl, 7 p.m. ESPN. Memphis at 6-6 six and six against Hawaii, who has 6-7. Hawaii, a home game here. These are not the most consistent teams this season, but I think they've got some quality. They're not the most sound either when it comes to fundamentals. They turn the ball over a lot. Both teams turn the ball over just about two times a game. That's not a recipe for success, and I think that's why you've seen the varying results for them this year because Memphis is better than a 6-6 six and six American team, but they've shot themselves in the foot. Hawaii probably is a 6-7, six and 7-6 seven, seven and six Mountain West team. That's about where they fit, but I also think that they have the talent. I have respect for the Mountain West Conference. They've produced some good teams historically. I do think Memphis is the more talented team here, though. I don't expect too much to get in the way of either aerial attack. And so when I break down the quarterback play of Cordero versus Memphis's guy, I think Hawaii makes too many mistakes and Memphis ends up pulling this one out just barely at their place. And also, you got to expect Memphis has to be excited to be playing in this game they're going to Hawaii you're going to Hawaii on Christmas Eve you've got to want to play in this game Hawaii on the other hand is staying at home so I would expect Memphis to be a little bit more excited to get up for this one moving to Christmas and I'm kind of shocked that we actually have a bowl game on Christmas I don't like that very much I think that everybody should have that day off but you know here we go Tax at Camellia Bowl, 1.30 p.m. ESPN. Georgia State at 7-5 against Ball State, 6-6. Six six. Georgia State's entering the game on a three-game winning streak, playing like the dangerous team we knew they were capable of being entering this season. 
This is a team that started the year out slow, played a difficult non-conference schedule. They got into conference play, and they got going. This is a team that built on their performance against Auburn earlier in the season. Over the last four games, they gave Louisiana all they could handle, lost in a one-score ball game. They beat Coastal Carolina, Arkansas State, and Troy. Georgia State will win this game simply because they'll be able to run the football against Ball State. They're going to be able to do what they want to do, their style. Ball State can't do anything here to make Georgia State uncomfortable. I don't think the Panthers are going to have to change anything about what they do in order to be successful in this game. That's why I'm going with Georgia State. Also, 6-6 six and six max school against a Sun Belt team. I'm telling you, the Sun Belt may have been the best group of five conference if it wasn't for Cincinnati having the type of year that they did in the American the teams at the top of the Sun Belt the teams bowling out of the Sun Belt are good I like the Panthers in this one we're going to add to a quick break here when we come back we're going to get on the other side of the Christmas slate as we finally get to some more power five teams playing football this is where the good bowl games begin to show up right there on the other side of Christmas we'll be back you're listening to on the line Closing out hour number one of the On the Line Bowl special. Noah Gardner here with you on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Today's show is pre-recorded. Just a programming note for folks out there. But the drive with Bill Cameron will be live from 4 to 6 p.m. on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama, taking you through every single bowl game. I love this show every year when I get the opportunity to do it to help folks make their bowl predictions, and also me personally just getting to fill out bowl picks. I love making brackets when NCAA tournament time rolls around. I love doing this with bowl predictions as well. This is one of my favorite times of the year. We're on the other side of Christmas now, December 27th, as there is no bowl games on December 26th. The Quick Lane Bowl, 10 a.m. ESPN, Western Michigan, 7-5 and five against Nevada, 8-4. and four. My confidence here is in Nevada winning this game because of the play of quarterback Carson Strong. He's thrown for 4,186 yards, 36 touchdowns to just eight interceptions. He's played against some good competition in and outside the Mountain West. Of course, Nevada beat Cal to start the year. That's why I think he's going to be able to shine on this stage against the Western Michigan defense, which isn't that great. On the other side, looking at Western Michigan's quarterback play, they should be able to move the football as well. The Broncos possess balance on the offensive side of the football. Their quarterback, Ellaby, is an efficient quarterback with over 3,000 yards passing this season. They almost had two 1,000-yard rushers in Ladarius Jefferson and Sean Tyler. But here's the difference. Turnovers. And oftentimes that's what plays out in these bowl games. Nevada forces over two per game. They're good at creating mistakes. I'm going to lean towards Nevada. I'm going to lean towards their talent. I think a Mountain West school that beat a Pac-12 school is probably a little bit more talented than someone that went 7-5 and five in the MAC. Plus, you talk about who's got the best player on the field. Nevada does. And Carson Strong. Military Bowl presented by Paraton, 1.30 p.m. on ESPN. Boston College at 6-6 six six against a 7-5 ECU team. Folks are pretty much split down the middle in picking this game on ESPN.com as well as the line is hovering around two or three points in favor of Boston College. Boston College, the way that they like to play the game, they want to slow it down. They've been able to do that against just about everyone they've played against. It's about running the football for BC, especially considering they've got Phil Jerkovec back, but he's still, 
you know he's trying to get back from his injury that almost took him out for the entire season it just hasn't been an efficient passing game for them and they haven't had a whole lot of synergy there between their running and passing game which fortunately for them ECU gives up 4.7 yards per carry so I think BC is going to be able to set things up on the ground which is going to help ease Jerkovac back into this ball game and Phil Jerkovac's return from injury don't get it wrong though his return at quarterback has helped give this offense enough life and I think is going to give them enough juice in this game and in this specific instance their passing game will be able to help them find enough points to win with that being said that is me expecting ECU to be held into the low 20s or high teens. If ECU, the closer that they get to scoring 30 points, if they break 30, the grimmer it gets for Boston College. This is not a team that wants to get into a shootout. They're going to need their defense to play well enough, and their defense has been good all year. I see no reason to believe why they won't play well in this one. I'm going Boston College. Now on to some Power 5 football and what is going to be the first loaded good bowl game day on the schedule. December 28th, Ticket Smarter, Birmingham Bowl, 11 a.m. ESPN. I'm going to spend a little bit more time on this one considering this is Auburn's bowl game. They are taking on number 20, Houston, who's 11-2. and Auburn coming into the game at 6-6. Six and six. Auburn's got several starters out for this game on the offensive line. I think they're going to have maybe two guys starting on the offensive line that played this past year. Keandre Jones and Killian Zaire. Broderius Ham announced that he was going to the draft. Nick Brahms is hurt. Brandon Council, I don't expect to play in this game. So there you got three guys out. Of course, Bo is not here anymore. We know who's going to be starting at quarterback. It's TJ Finley. There's just been a lot of uncertainty around this Tiger program in the last week or two since the regular season ended. Of course, a great signing day makes you feel great about the direction that the program is going or it helps you feel better about the direction that the program was going after the season ended at six and six but the reality of the situation is Auburn is going into this bowl game with an opportunity to make a statement at the end of the year and get a ranked win over Houston and I certainly think even with Bonex out even with some of those offensive linemen out you look at the way that Auburn recruits versus the way that Houston recruits you know that Auburn is just as talented than Houston is now this Houston team has developed a lot of players they're playing football at a really high level so I think that the talent gap is actually rather even here but you know on the roster there is players there are players that Auburn can go to that had good recruiting rankings that you know there's talent it just may not be quite developed out yet and doesn't have a lot of experience whereas you look on the other side Houston's playing really well right now they're 11 and 2 of course, they were unable to win the American Athletic Conference Championship against Cincinnati, hung around for a little while. This is a team that wants to beat Auburn and probably wants to beat Auburn bad. They want to get to 12 wins. There's a lot of motivation there for an American Athletic Conference team to play an SEC team and try and mangle them, especially when the SEC team is 6-6 six and six and there's really blood in the water right now for this Auburn team that has been weakened by injuries and opt-outs. So Auburn's playing without its two best players on defense, more than likely, and Roger McCreary and Zacoby McClain on offense. They're playing without their best player in Bo Nix. There's just a lot working against Auburn here that doesn't give you a whole lot of confidence that they're going to win this game. Now, on the flip side, this, this should be encouraging to Auburn fans. I think Auburn's going to be motivated to play. Brian Harson, his mentality and his messaging about the way that his teams are ran, they are not going to take this game off. 
I think they want to win 100%. There's motivation there. I think Auburn's going to show up and play hard. I just think that there's a lot working against them on the roster that I don't know that they're going to be able to overcome. And that's why I'm picking Houston to win this game. It's a bad matchup for Auburn. Auburn's going to have to rely on their ground game, and they have not been able to establish the run all season long. Houston is only allowing 3.3 yards per carry. And at this point, I don't think Auburn is going to be able to run against air. It's been that bad this year. So I don't think that they're really going to be able to overcome that aspect of things on offense. So that's going to put a lot of pressure on TJ Finley. And Houston has got some dudes that absolutely get after it when it comes down to the pass rush. They only allow opposing quarterbacks to complete 56% of their passes. Without a running game, things are going to be really difficult on TJ Finley. And I don't blame it on him. I don't blame it on him at all. There's just he's missing three offensive linemen. The running game hasn't been effective. I just don't know how Auburn's going to be able to muster a significant amount of points to be able to win this game. And can they hold on against a Houston offense that can throw the ball around the yard a little bit? Clayton Toon for Houston threw for 3,263 yards. He's completing 69% of his passes. He should have a field day against the Auburn secondary that gives away completions cheaply. I don't see Houston having to change much about what they do on offense. Auburn minus key players means a bad day in Birmingham. I don't know if Auburn gets blown out. I just don't see them winning this one in Birmingham. I hope they do. I hope Auburn goes out there and plays really well. I hope they surprise me, but I think Houston's the better team. And it may not be because they recruit better than Auburn, but it's definitely been developed out, and Auburn's missing some key guys. Moving along, Surf Pro First Responder Bowl, 2.15 p.m. ESPN on December 28th. That's coming up two weeks from now on a Tuesday. Air Force against Louisville, 9-3 Air Force team against a 6-6 Louisville team. There's a lot of motivation here for Air Force to get to 10 wins and beat an ACC school. It's the similar boat that Army's walking into against Missouri, except Louisville is a worse football team than Missouri. Louisville doesn't defend the run well. They're allowing 4.5 yards per carry. So I imagine Air Force will be able to get things established on the ground. They're another triple option team. In the passing game, the Cardinals have the propensity, though, to put up some big plays. So I think when you look at the way these offenses play, they're going to be able to do what they want to do. Louisville's going to be able to pop offs with some big plays. Malik Cunningham can also do it with his legs. On the flip side, I think when Air Force has the football, they're going to be able to slow the game down. They're going to be able to churn some clock and they're going to be able to put some drives together. Louisville's offense is about running the football as well, but the problem for them is Air Force actually defends the run pretty decently at 3.2 yards per carry allowed on the ground. So when you break it down, Air Force, I think, is the team that's a little bit more buttoned up on defense. And when you break this game down, you look at it, it's about running the football for these two teams. So who's going to win the rushing attack? And I think it's Air Force. I'm going to take the triple option team over the team that's sporting a defense that isn't too good against the run and they've been a little spotty in their passing game they just haven't been the most physical team in the world Louisville is at six and six I'm going to take Air Force to win this one and get to 10 wins on the season AutoZone Liberty Bowl 545 p.m. on December 28th Mississippi State at seven and five against Texas Tech six and six don't you just love this matchup Mike Leach versus his old school that fired him This is bound to bring the motivation and the quotes as well when you get to media availability time for this game. There's a glaring matchup disparity here, though. Texas Tech allows opposing quarterbacks to complete 67% of their passes for 266 yards per game. Oh, the irony that the passing game is going to be the downfall of the Texas Tech Red Raiders and it be none other than Mike Leach. That's not a good look against an air raid team that's going to come in and try and light it up. Will Rogers is playing really well this year. 
He's completing a high percentage of his passes, over 70%. He's got over 4,000 yards passing. The guy was great in the month of November. Mississippi State showed against Kentucky, Texas A&M, and Auburn that they have real quality. They have real talent on defense. They got some dudes on that side of the ball. I think this one could end up being a multi-score win for Mississippi State, and I think they're motivated as well. They didn't have a great season last year, only won three or four games. They won four games with a bowl game. They played against Tulsa last year in a bowl game. Now they're going to play against Texas Tech. The motivation there combined with the fact that they've just got dudes. I will take Mississippi State to win this one over Texas Tech. San Diego County Credit Union Holiday Bowl, 7 p.m. on Fox. UCLA at 8-4 and four against 18th-ranked NC State at 9-3. and three. UCLA seemed to struggle with good defensive teams this season. The big difference between these two teams is the level the defenses are playing at right now. UCLA has given up 27 points per game, while NC State is allowing 20. That's going to be a problem for UCLA in this game. You also break down the quarterback play. Devin Leary has been able to toss the ball around the yard a bit for NC State. He's helped the Wolfpack to 288 pass yards per game. I don't think we're really that used to seeing that out of a team that has typically adopted balance as their mantra. Pass defense also happens to be a point of weakness for UCLA. That's a possible spot that NC State's going to be able to exploit against the Bruins on the flip side NC State's specialty is defending the pass with opposing quarterbacks only completing 53 percent of their passes and throwing 1.3 interceptions per game Dorian Thompson Robinson turnover prone DTR is going to make a mistake that ultimately seals the deal in this game give me NC State to win this one over UCLA Guaranteed rate bowl at 9.15 p.m. on ESPN. West Virginia at 6-6 against Minnesota, who is 8-4. This seems like the kind of game that Minnesota is going to absolutely excel in. A slower, grinding game. West Virginia looks more like a Big Ten school than a Big 12 school this year. A lot of pressure is going to fall on the arm of Jarrett Dagey as the rushing attack for West Virginia can only muster 3.6 yards per carry. Minnesota is physical and can win the battle in the trenches and help limit them in that area. Dagey and the Mountaineers are good for 1.6 turnovers per game. I don't expect there to be a lot of possessions here as both of these teams are going to look to run the football. And with that clock running, each turnover is going to matter in terms of limiting possessions. To me, there appears to be a lot more pressure on Daigie than on Tanner Morgan, who hasn't been great this year, but he's got better support on the ground and from his offensive line and from his defense than West Virginia does. Everyone already knows that Minnesota can't throw. Minnesota is used to having to play four yards a carry to win games, and they rode that to eight wins without their best player at running back. Beat Wisconsin at the end of the season. I like this Minnesota team. They're physical. They're gritty. I think they grind one out against the Mountaineers. Minnesota wins the guaranteed rate bowl. That's it for hour number one of the On the Line Bowl special. When we come back, hour number two is going to be filled with some great bowl games. New Year's Six action. A lot of top 25 teams coming up in hour number two. You don't want to miss it. You are on the line. 
Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn on ESPN 1067 or online on foxsports983.com and ESPNAU.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Daw. Join the show by calling in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Hour number two of On the Line. Noah Gardner with you on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Special On the Line Bowl special here on the Friday edition of the show. Programming note, today's show is pre-recorded. As we go through every single bowl matchup, we are halfway through here on the Friday edition of the show. We'll start off hour number two once again on the other side of Christmas as we have made it to December 29th on our bowl schedule and it's getting to the point where it's all power five matchups baby this is getting good on the on the line bowl special so let's get started here in hour number two with the wasabi fenway bowl 10 a.m espn interesting name two things that do not feel like they go together this is like one of those pictures that you've seen or one of those memes that you've seen on social media where it's like create your own bowl game on one side it's like your birth date on the other side it's like last thing you ate and then on the other side it's something else to help determine the location that's how we apparently got to wasabi fenway bowl somebody had eaten sushi or something like that and then their birthday happened to fall on a certain time of the year that would have put you in fenway park or something like that but this is cool i like the fact that they are playing in fenway I like the fact that they are bringing some of these baseball stadiums into the mix. And on this same day, there's also the new era pinstripe ball. So you start in Fenway and then you go to Yankee Stadium. I like that this is a, this is a cool bowl game. And it's featuring two teams that like to throw the football. SMU at 8-4 and four against Virginia, who is 6-6. Six and six. This game's at 10 a.m. on ESPN on December 29th. This game could go either way. Two prolific passing quarterbacks and Tanner Mordecai for SMU and Brennan Armstrong for Virginia neither team is coming into this game on good standing smu has lost four of their last five virginia has lost their last four games and bronco mendenhall announced that he was stepping down after the bowl game so you look at virginia they've got some dysfunction you look at smu there has to be dysfunction over there for them to have lost four of their last five sunny dykes ended up taking the smu job so both of these teams are dealing without their head coaches this is a game that i don't think a lot of people know which way to go on I'm going to go with Virginia. I think this is a team that has played the better schedule. They're in the ACC. I like their passing game a little bit more with Armstrong. Down the stretch, I don't think this Virginia team has played poorly. They've just played really good football teams in the ACC, or or maybe not really good in the grand scheme of things in, in college football, but they've played the best that the ACC has to offer. Is Virginia a great football team? No, but SMU's not either. And I think when you break down the talent, I think at the end of the day, Virginia will find a way to win this one. New Era Pinstripe Bowl, 1.15 p.m. ESPN, Maryland at 6-6 against Virginia Tech at 6-6. What's difficult about this game is I don't know if Virginia Tech wants to be there. They lost their head coach also. Brent Pry, the Penn State defensive coordinator, is the one taking over here. They lost their head coach. Maryland's a stranger to bowl games. This has got to be fun for them that they're finally back in bowl season. They want to end the season on a high note. They have a chance to have a winning year. 
That rarely happens in University Park, Maryland. That rarely happens for them. And so for me, when I look at this, I think, man, the motivation, there's already a gap there, even though I do like Virginia Tech. Like if they came to play, if Virginia Tech comes to play in this game, if they want to be there, I think they're going to win. But the problem is I just don't get the vibe that they are going to want to be there. And they've been kind of hit and miss down the last five games. They beat Virginia, but get blown out by Miami over those last four or five games for them in the regular season. So I just don't know what to expect. And so I'm going to lean on the side of things that Maryland wants to be here and Maryland wants to play. But the Hokies defend the pass really well, holding opponents to just 219 and a half pass yards per game and a 57.6 completion percentage. How much of that is a problem for Maryland quarterback Talia Tungavaloa, who's a little trigger happy, and I can see him turn the ball over a time or two. If he can limit his turnovers, I think Maryland will be just fine. And I still expect them to get theirs in the passing game because that's what they do well. With that being said, I don't think Virginia Tech is going to be as motivated as Maryland. The Terrapins are going to get better quarterback play out of Tungvaloa, even with a turnover or two, compared to Virginia Tech quarterback Braxton Burmeister, who's only completing 56% of his passes. The lack of a passing game for Virginia Tech concerns me. Breaking down the quarterback play for these two teams, I think you're going to get just enough out of Talia Tungavaloa to edge out that Virginia Tech defense that has been good this year, but I don't think it's going to be enough to help them win this one. they got to find points. You can't win if you don't score points. Cheese it ball, 4.45 p.m. ESPN, number 19, Clemson, 9-3 against Iowa State at 7-5. Dabo Sweeney's coaching staff was gutted. Both of them left, offensive and defensive coordinators. That's not going to help this team from a preparation standpoint. I'm shocked that I'm in the minority in picking this game. Only like 30% of ESPN's bowl mania predicted Iowa State to win this ballgame, maybe even less. I don't get how folks can be confident in Clemson's offense going into this one I get it with the defense but even I think the defense could take a hit without Brent Vittables I think he was what made that unit go not that they didn't have talent but they did lose some key guys earlier this year to injury and he still kept them performing at peak efficiency Clemson's super talented they recruit well don't get it wrong they recruit excellent Iowa State doesn't recruit in the same hemisphere as them when it comes down to recruiting rankings it's not even close but Iowa State's super experienced they're motivated they want to win this game they want to end their careers on a high note beating what has been a perennial college football playoff team you can write that story whereas Clemson lost their coordinators had a disappointing year now granted they ended the regular season well and so I still think they're going to come to play and I think Dabo Sweeney's a good motivator but when I break it down you got two great defenses that are going to frustrate each of these offenses that have been insanely disappointing this year compared to the expectations that were put on top of them when it comes down to the wire which offense has the players that are going to make the plays to win the game Ungalele and Will Shipley or Brock Purdy and Brees Hall who are both playing in this game which tells you that they've got something to prove and they want to win I'm going with Iowa State due to the experience and looking out looking to close their careers on a high note i'll take brock purdy and Brees hall who are both playing in this ball game that tells you that they want to win they're going to find just enough they're going to find just enough plays to edge out clemson in this one that just speaks volumes to me that players like brock purdy and Brees hall who have nfl careers in front of them that they want to play in this game 
that that speaks a lot to me. And so I'm going to go with Iowa State. Maybe that's wishful thinking, but I think the Cyclones have enough in the tank. I mean, they beat a team like Oklahoma State earlier this year who plays sound defense, has some struggles on offense at times. They resemble Clemson a lot to me. So don't tell me they don't have the quality to do it. They beat Oklahoma State earlier this year. And I think Oklahoma State and Clemson would be, I think Oklahoma State would be favored in that game. So take I'll take Iowa State in the Cheez-It Bowl. Valero Alamo Bowl, 8.15 p.m. ESPN, number 14 Oregon against number 16 Oklahoma. Ducks come into the game at 10-3 and three after losing the Pac-12 championship game. Oklahoma comes into the game at 10-2 and two after missing the Big 12 championship game. Good luck out coaching Bob Stoops back on the OU sideline. Reunited and it feels so good. That is going to be a major factor in this game having Bob Stoops back on the Oklahoma sideline whereas Oregon has to go to the interim tag for their head coach as Mario Cristobal jumps ship and heads to Miami breaking down the battle of the quarterbacks here I take Caleb Williams over Anthony Brown because there is more upside with Williams passing game he's averaging nine yards per attempt with 18 touchdowns to four interceptions after taking over midseason for Spencer Rattler Bob Stoops may also be able to unlock some of this offense's inefficiencies. He's a great coach. I expect him to be able to fix some things here for this Oklahoma team that maybe Lincoln Riley wasn't able to achieve. Oklahoma may stink defensively. They may not be very good at all on that side of the football. But believe it or not, they aren't that bad at stopping the run. They hold opponents to 3.7 yards per carry which is what this Oregon offense is predicated on. It's it's predicated on running the football. And so I think just enough of that effort at stopping the run is going to be able to create issues for Oregon's offense to where a little bit more pressure is going to be able to, uh, Oklahoma is going to be able to put a little bit more pressure on Anthony Brown. And at the end of the day, when you take it from that approach, there is more firepower in the Oklahoma arsenal to help out Caleb Williams than there is in that Oregon arsenal. And they've got the better head coach. So, I'm going to take Oklahoma to win this one. A lot of the energy was taken out of this game when Kayvon Thibodeau, Mario Cristobal, Lincoln Riley, all those guys ended up not being in this bowl game. All of those characters ended up not being in this bowl game. But I still like to see these two brands in the same stadium. The Alamo Bowl has produced some fun games between Big 12 and Pac-12 offenses that can score. I still think this one's going to end up being fun. Uh, but I am taking Oklahoma in this one just because of the Bob Stoops factor. We're going to take a quick break here. Just getting started in hour number two. We are headed towards New Year's Day as the bowl games continue to get more and more exciting. The On the Line Bowl special pre-recorded here on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. On the line, bowl special. Noah Gardner with you on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Pre-recorded show today, but the drive with Bill Cameron will have your phone lines open from 4 to 6 p.m. Following us on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. We are going through every single bowl matchup here on the show today, and we are up to December 30th now. Duke's Mayo Bowl, 10.30 a.m. ESPN, North Carolina against South Carolina, the border war between which Carolina is better, North Carolina or South Carolina. I have several friends that root for North Carolina schools, one of which is even from North Carolina. We joke he's a propaganda machine, doesn't even recognize that there's a state south of him, doesn't even recognize it. UNC is going to gash 
South Carolina on the ground as the Tar Heels are averaging 5.5 yards per carry and South Carolina is giving up 4.7. Sam Howell adds a lot on the ground. He's like a running back in a quarterback's body. He's got, or maybe it's a quarterback and a running back's body. I don't know which because he's got a great arm still. But the way that he's built, he's so physical. He's thick. He, he's strong. He's very tough to bring down. He lowers his shoulder. He may not be the quickest guy in the world. He may not have loose hips, but the guy is hard to tackle. And he adds a lot to that North Carolina rushing attack and that North Carolina offense that absolutely flourished late in the season for the Tar Heels they were able to compete with some good football teams there at the end they were able to beat Wake Forest and hand the Demon Deacons their first loss of the season they almost beat Pittsburgh they almost beat NC State they played some really good football teams or I really should catch myself there because that's hyperbole they played some good ACC schools they had the best schools that the ACC had to offer down the stretch in their last three or four games and they competed if not beat a couple of them so I like this North Carolina team I think they're a lot better over this last month month and a half than they were in the first half of the season they almost beat Notre Dame that was another team that they ran with I mean they played against some ranked teams there at the end top 15 top 20 teams in the country that they had a shot to beat their defense just continued to be an issue for them but fortunately for them in this game I don't think that's going to be a problem because South Carolina's got some issues on offense Jason Brown has entered the transfer portal Zeb Nolan's back after having dealt with an injury but still we've seen the South Carolina offense it's not great even against bad defenses and so I think they will cap out if they can even get to this I think they'll cap out somewhere in the low to mid-20s which is not going to be enough with this South Carolina defense having a clear disadvantage at stopping North Carolina's rushing attack I think North Carolina puts up a lot of points in this one and finishes the year on a high note they had a good recruiting class as well that finished inside the top 10 I think they placed at eighth after early signing day I just don't see a scenario here where Zeb Nolan outduels Sam Howell and that is what it would take for South Carolina to win this game that's not going to happen Trans Perfect Music City Bowl, 2 p.m. ESPN, Tennessee against Purdue, 7-5 Tennessee squad against an 8-4 Purdue team. I was shocked to see how many people on ESPN's Bowl Mania are picking Purdue. Purdue is, like, favored in this game, according to the public. But when you break it down, according to the line, Tennessee is favored. I like this Tennessee team. I like this Tennessee team a lot, and I think they punched above their weight class this year in the SEC definitely exceeded expectations for what folks thought they were going to do this year was able to pull off a big win in a rivalry game against Kentucky there's a lot to like here now Purdue on the other side I think there's a lot to like there out of the Big Ten as well Jeff Brom had another season with Purdue that continues to show that he is one of the more undervalued coaches in college football big win over Michigan State they were able to beat Iowa as well they have several top 25 wins Purdue does so But you've also got Purdue where they've got four losses to teams that they shouldn't have lost to. So you've got the inconsistencies on one side. Honestly, you've got inconsistencies on both sides. But I'm expecting a lot of points to be scored in this one. I expect the scoreboard operator to be busy. Get ready to see them because I think the style of play benefits Tennessee here. Purdue averages a little over 70 plays per game. Tennessee plays a little bit above that. But that tells you that Purdue's comfortable at playing in an above average to you know kind of a little bit of a faster tempo in college football but not nearly as fast as Tennessee plays 
Tennessee is scorched earth. These guys are going 100 miles per hour. This is an extremely fast, up-tempo offense, and they're going to be really comfortable at this tempo, and they're going to be really comfortable in this game, whereas Purdue getting up to another eight or ten plays a game and you're seeing the tempo increase I don't know if they're ready for that they don't play against teams like that in the Big Ten they're not used to it and so I think Tennessee is going to be comfortable ratcheting up the tempo here will Purdue who's averaging 27 and a half points per game still be effective at that tempo in a shootout probably not Tennessee's defensive line also one of the best in the country at forcing negative plays and tackles for loss the volunteers are going to be disruptive on defense and that is going to create mistakes I like Tennessee to win this one over Purdue Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl your first New Year's Six Bowl game even though it's still not on New Year's at least played on December 31st not December 30th but 6 p.m. ESPN on December 30th Number 12, Pittsburgh against number 10, Michigan State. 11-2 Panthers team that won the ACC against a 10-2 Michigan State team that tailed off a little bit at the end of the season. This game lost a lot of its luster when Kenny Pickett and Kenneth Walker opted out. The two best playmakers for each team. This is a bummer because this was going to be a blast to watch these two teams, clash of styles, go after each other. Michigan State's favored in this one, but I'm going to go with the upset with Pittsburgh. Michigan State has one of the worst secondaries in the country, and that is hard to do in the Big Ten because no one throws the ball. They give up over 337 pass yards per game. How do you do that? Everybody runs the ball. That is going to help Pittsburgh ease in their new quarterback, Nick Patty, who's actually been in the program for a little while. I think he's a junior. He's 12 for 14 on the season with 140 passing yards. I don't think it's going to be horrible for them. Michigan State doesn't have a whole lot of adversity there. I know they got to break in a new quarterback, but still, I think they're going to be able to make him comfortable. Now, Pittsburgh may not be able to run the ball here, and a lot of pressure is going to be on Patty. But on the flip side for Michigan State, you can say the same thing about their situation on offense without Kenneth Walker. Michigan State was built on running the football, and when they didn't run the football well, when they couldn't, they lost. They were outdueled, and they were outdueled on multiple occasions this year by teams that could throw the football well. If Kenny Pickett's playing, I'm taking Pittsburgh without even thinking about it. But even with the backup in, I think Pittsburgh's going to find a way with Patty, who may be deceptively good in this offense. He has been playing behind Pickett. He has 12 for 14 on his resume this year for 140 yards. I think the offense is going to help him succeed. And uh, with Pittsburgh's good run defense, I think that's going to hold Michigan State to under four yards per carry at least but Pittsburgh holds opponents to under three yards per carry in that area of their game on the defensive side of the football with Kenneth Walker out I just don't see how Michigan State's going to be able to get the ground game going that's going to hurt Peyton Thorne at quarterback I just don't think that offense is going to be very effective and Pittsburgh may still be able to find enough points in this one to win this ball game so give me Pittsburgh in a close one but neither of these teams are playing with their best playmaker on offense and that stinks but I get it I understand why these guys are going on to the next level and don't want to play in this game at risk of injury I 100% get it and I wish them the best in their NFL endeavors but it does stink when you get these great bowl games on paper and the two best players in it aren't playing and two of the best players in all of college football at that 
SRS Distribution Las Vegas Bowl, 9.30 p.m. ESPN. Last bowl game we're going to pick here before we go to break. Wisconsin against Arizona State. Two 8-4 teams here. This is what I dub the disappointing child of the Rose Bowl. Big 10, Pac-12, but they're obviously not the conference champions, and they were both extremely disappointing this year. Both of these teams had much loftier expectations entering 2021, and they both egregiously underperformed, especially the offenses. Graham Mertz wasn't very good. Somehow, Jaden Daniels regressed. And talking about Auburn's offensive coordinator search, I don't think it's a bad thing that they didn't get Zach Hill. Because Jaden Daniels went from being a prolific quarterback in the Pac-12 to 10 touchdowns and 9 interceptions this year. How does that happen? It's just kind of a mixed bag of results there for that Arizona State offense. Neither of these offenses are very good, but the defenses are. This game is going to be about the defenses and running the football. Both squads average over 200 rushing yards per game, but it is Wisconsin with the nasty defense against the run, holding opponents to just 65.2 rush yards per game. They play everybody in the Big Ten that likes to run the football and runs it well. Arizona State's not used to this level of physicality that Wisconsin's going to bring to the table. I like the Badgers to to win this one. They're going to live up to that nickname. Arizona State, these Sun Devils, they don't want to wrestle with this Badger. They do not want to do that. Wisconsin wins the Las Vegas Bowl at 9.30 p.m. on December 30th. When we come back, we are going to get to New Year's Eve and even into New Year's Day college football playoff. We're going to break it down when we come back on the On the Line Bowl Special. On the Line Bowl Special, Noah Gardner with you on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama pre-recorded show today as we are working our way through the entire bowl schedule helping you make your bowl predictions here on this friday edition of on the line following us from 4 to 6 p.m it'll be the drive with bill cameron and dan peck and they will be live taking your calls all show long we're going to get back to the bowl schedule now new year's eve as we get to the college football playoff in just a few games still working through some of the other ones that are the undercard for the college football playoff on new year's eve tax slayer gator bowl 10 a.m on espn number 17 wake forest against number 25 texas a&m wake forest at 10 and 3 on the year a&m at 8 and 4 Texas A&M is starting a walk-on at quarterback with Zach Calzada transferring and Haynes King still not being ready to play with that injury that he sustained early in the season. Even so, with a walk-on quarterback starting for A&M, and they've actually been here before. I remember a bowl game that they played against NC State a couple of years ago where Texas A&M had to play a walk-on quarterback. I just can't believe that A&M's favored by four and a half points here with a walk-on it's not like they're playing a six and six or a seven and five acc school they're playing 10 and three wake forest but even so i am gonna pick texas a&m i likewise i can believe that they're not favored and still want to go with the upset here you know what the holiday season's about believing and i'm going to rock with blake boast the walk-on quarterback for texas a&m a&m's gonna be able to put the ball on the ground against wake forest wake forest does not have a very good run defense it's rather soft giving up almost five yards per carry i think a chain and spiller are going to have a pretty good day on the ground that's going to make things easier for blake boast i think jimbo fisher being you know he, he's dealt with this already this year zach calzada had little to no experience 
coming into this season and his starting quarterback goes down with an injury and he had to scheme things on the fly for Zach Calzada and eventually this A&M team beats Alabama at Auburn and they get there not saying that Blake Bost is good he's not good I don't think he has to be good to win this game I just think that they've got to be able to run the football effectively enough and play good enough defense against that Wake Forest offense which is possible A&M's got dudes on defense that front seven I think is one of the best if not the best that Auburn faced well Georgia was the best A&M was the second best front seven that Auburn faced all year long I don't think Wake Forest is going to be able to have a whole lot of success against it, considering you look at three or four weeks ago, back around Thanksgiving, Clemson's defense was a problem for Wake Forest, held them to 27. I think that's something A&M can aspire to do here. I'm going to go Aggies to win this ballgame. Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl, 11 a.m. on CBS, Washington State at 7-5 and five against Miami, who is 7-5. Continuity is important And that is why Washington State hired Jake Dickert to be their head coach after removing the interim tag. Miami has anything but stability and continuity at this moment. With the way that things went down with Manny Diaz and Mario Cristobal coming in, they also lost their offensive coordinator, Rhett Lashley, to become the next head coach at SMU. I just don't think that there's a whole lot going on for Miami right now that should give you confidence that they're going to be able to go into this game and win yet they are favored and many people are picking them in ESPN Bowl Mania Tyler Van Dyke has been really fun to watch for Miami after he took over for Derek King he's running into a defense that can make some plays Washington State forces over two turnovers per game and they limit what opposing teams can do through the air holding teams to just 217 pass yards per game if Van Dyke's efficiency goes down Miami's going to struggle to score and I think that's exactly what's going to happen here Miami's defense isn't that good they give up like 28 a game Washington State finds just enough in this one with their run and shoot offense they've got more continuity they're excited to be playing in this one Miami's just trying to flip the page to next year Washington State finds just enough to edge out the Hurricanes Barstool Sports Arizona Bowl 1 p.m. on Barstool Central Michigan at 8 and 4 against Boise State who is 7 and 5 this is another situation where you look at conference reputations to help you make a decision Central Michigan may be an 8 and 4 team and won some games in the MAC, but Boise State's challenged more on their schedule, played a tougher schedule. Don't get fooled by Central Michigan having the better record here. Boise's defense is going to be the difference in this game. They hold opposing quarterbacks to 206.9 passing yards per game. Hank Bachmeyer, their quarterback, the Bronco quarterback, is going to have the easier time, I believe, against Central Michigan's defense that has given up 262.8 pass yards per game. Better talent's going to win out. It's easy to see that. Boise State's a better program than Central Michigan. Jim McElwain's got things going with the Chippewas, but I think at the end of the day, when you look at the eight-point line in favor of Boise State, there's a real talent gap here, and I feel comfortable saying that the Broncos, despite a disappointing season this year compared to their normal standards, they will find a way to win this game and close out at eight and five. They're playing really good football down the stretch. I think they've won their last five games. There's a lot to like here with Boise State after what was a really slow start to the season. Now on to the college football playoff. 
The semifinal at the Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic, 2.30 p.m. ESPN on New Year's Eve. Number four, Cincinnati, 13-0 against number one, Alabama, 12-1. SEC champs against the American Athletic Conference champions. Breaking this one down from a schematic perspective, you look at the strength of schedule for Cincinnati, and I've been hard on them all year long. I think they deserve to be in the playoff now that everything has shook out. These guys deserve to be in, but I still think they are playing out of their league now. They may deserve to be in compared to everything else in college football, but this is still a situation where they are out of their league. And granted, they played well against Georgia in the Peach Bowl last year. Georgia didn't really look like they wanted to be there, nor did Georgia play very well. This is a game where you've given Nick Saban three weeks to prepare. I just have a hard time believing that Alabama's not going to beat Cincinnati in just about every facet of this ball game. Talent, preparation, game plan, scheme, even all of the nitty-gritty aspects of football, pass, rush, run, blocking, pass, blocking, passing game, receivers. I just don't know where Cincinnati's going to quite get the edge on Alabama, where Alabama couldn't also equally get the edge on the other side of the football. And I'll break that down here. Desmond Ritter hasn't played a defensive beast like this on their schedule. They haven't. As far as talent's concerned, the closest that it gets, and it's still not even in the same planet, still not even on the same planet, As far as Power 5 talent is concerned, Notre Dame and Indiana and Desmond Ritter did not have his best ball games, nor did the Cincinnati offense. Despite the fact you go and look at the Cincinnati scoreline against Indiana, I think they scored 38 or 31 points against Indiana. It still wasn't a great day for the offense. They needed a kick return TD to kind of change the momentum in that one. They didn't look good. And then against Notre Dame, they only scored 24. It's easy to see that Alabama's defense is going to be able to create some issues here. Cincinnati needs that running game to help take some of the pressure off of Desmond Ritter you don't need a whole lot of pressure falling on him and Alabama's holding opponents to less than three yards per carry I don't think Cincinnati's going to be able to run the football a lot of pressure is going to be put on Ritter at that point and he's just going to be a sitting duck in the pocket with Will Anderson taking out frustration because he didn't receive an invitation to New York Will Anderson Jr. is going to eat in this game against that Cincinnati offensive line that hasn't even seen someone with the pass rushing prowess that Will Anderson Jr. has. That's going to create a lot of frustration for Desmond Ritter in the Cincinnati offense. Now, I think Cincinnati's defense has some things that maybe they could have some success against Alabama's offense. They have Sauce Gardner and Kobe Bryant at cornerback. And that Cincinnati secondary is one of the best in the country. I think they're legit. Those guys are going to be good NFL cornerbacks. Between those two and a pretty good Cincinnati pass rush and a bad Alabama offensive line, despite how well it played in the SEC championship game, will that be replicated in this game? That will be the question, or will it continue to be the same story all year long for Alabama of inconsistency across the board? If Alabama's offensive line doesn't show up, that pra- that pass rush combined with that secondary, Alabama could have some issues on offense in this game. But at the end of the day, who are you going to trust to make the plays? Which offense are you going to trust to make the plays if both of these defenses are showing out? I would love to be wrong, but you know it's Bryce Young in Alabama. You, you know it is. And they've shown that. They-, they just torched the best defense in the country at Georgia to a tune of 41 points. And then even in a game where the offense was looking horrible against Auburn, they found the plays that they needed to at the end of the day. And Cincinnati's better than Auburn. I don't think Cincinnati's better than Georgia. You just, you look at it across this season, 
Bama's lost one game, and when they've needed the plays on offense, they've gotten them. They absolutely have. And so Bryce Young, at the end of the day, that's going to be the difference maker. The offense is going to be able to find the points. This one may end up being close. You never know. Cincinnati could play a really good football game, but I think that's all that you can hope for there is that it's going to end up being close. I just don't know if Cincinnati has the guns on offense to be able to take down Alabama. That's what it's going to take. You're going to have to score. Moving to the other semifinal game, at the Capital One Orange Bowl, 6.30 p.m. ESPN, number three, Georgia, against number two, Michigan. This one, once again, in the evening on New Year's Eve. Georgia at 12-1, Michigan at 12-1. Georgia losing in the SEC championship. Michigan winning the Big Ten championship with what an end of the season, annihilating Iowa and Ohio State to wrap up their year. This has been a dream year for Michigan. Can it send them to a national championship? They will have to out-Georgia, Georgia. They will have to out-Georgia, the Bulldogs. And when you break down a game such as this, it's man-to-man combat. It's mano imano. Georgia has better players. I, I hate this matchup. And I talked about this a couple of weeks ago on the show with Lance, saying that this college football playoff is about matchups. And if Michigan was playing Ohio State... I would be close to to punching in the upset. I would. Alabama resembles Ohio State in a lot of ways. Needs the passing game to be successful. Offensive line hasn't been overly impressive. Defense has been kind of touch and go at times. Stop the run pretty well, but you can still put some points on them. They're not going to shut you out or anything like that. They're going to give up about 20 a game. And that's where Alabama's hovered against some good offenses. I think Michigan could have found enough points if they could get an exceptional defensive effort, which they've given at times this year, I could see Michigan being able to pull that upset. Against Georgia, though, things change a little bit. Can you out-physical the most physical team in the country? Can you do that? And I'm not sure if that's achievable here for Michigan. Georgia recruits better than Michigan in every way. They've been top three, top four in recruiting the last four or five seasons Michigan's been inside the top 10 in and out of the top 10 in recent years they recruit well but it's not on the same plane as Georgia and so when it comes down to -to man-to-man combat Georgia's got the dudes and what I actually think is going to end up being the difference here which is something that nobody is talking about right now what I actually think is going to end up being the difference in this semifinal is something that's completely off the wall like wide receivers Like, you break down the offense. Both of these offenses are going to struggle, by the way. I think this is going to be a very low-scoring game. And both of these quarterbacks are going to be looking to something outside of their own ability to help them. They're going to be looking to their running game if you're Michigan with Cade McNamara and Georgia. To a degree, their running game. But I also think you look at their receiving core and you look at their tight ends. They've had success throwing the football this year. They average more passing yards per game by a substantial amount over Michigan this season. They've been able to get explosive plays downfield from their tight ends, whether it's Brock Bowers, Darnell Washington, Kyrus Jackson. They've got guys that they can throw to. They've got more depth of targets than Michigan, who since losing their star wide receiver Bell at the end of the year has been searching for that. And it's been a committee approach and I think at the end of the day when you look at it which team is going to be able to find that added reinforcement that act that extra support for their quarterback on offense I think it's Georgia they just have more depth on that side of the football and that comes with the recruiting so I think Georgia from a matchups perspective this was a nightmare for Michigan from the start because can you out physical the most physical team in the country 
you're, you're just not going to out Georgia, out Georgia. This is not how you beat Georgia. You beat Georgia by lighting up the scoreboard. And so this was a this was a tough matchup for Michigan. And so I think you end up in the national championship and we'll break down the national championship coming up on the other side of this break. I think Georgia ends up playing Alabama in a rematch in the national championship. It's 2017 all over again, 2018 national championship all over again. We're going to head to a quick break. When we come back, we're going to get to the New Year's Day slate of bowl games and work our way all the way up to the national championship here as we wrap up the on the line bowl special. Last segment of the On the Line Bowl special here on the Friday edition of the show, pre-recorded today and following us from 4 to 6 p.m. You got the drive with Bill Cameron, so stay tuned for that coming up. We're on to New Year's Day and the National Championship as we wrap up the bowl schedule. Man, it has been a slog, but here we are to New Year's Day and the National Championship. We are on to the Outback Bowl, 11 a.m. on ESPN2. Penn State at 7-5 against number 21 Arkansas, 8-4. And, and this is one of the toughest games for me to pick of the entire slate. One of the toughest games Traylon Burks is not playing for Arkansas, so you have to evaluate Arkansas without seeing them like this all year long. Nobody else comes close in receptions to Traylon Burks this year. He's got 40 more receptions than the next closest guy on the Arkansas receiver sheet. You don't know if on the other side, Penn State's going to have star wide receiver Jahan Dotson, who has 91 receptions. So the fact that the two best playmakers in this game could not even be playing makes it already difficult enough to evaluate that they're two good teams here. But now you don't even know what the teams look like. And James Franklin in this press conferences have not even been lending a hand or, or tipping a cap to whether or not Jahan Dotson's going to play. So you just don't know what, what these two teams are going to look like until you get closer to New Year's Day and you hear more about it as ball prep goes on. But I flipped back and forth on this game over and over and over again at one point I was like well Arkansas has got to be extremely motivated Sam Pittman's bunch is always going to play really hard they've got SEC talent they're really good and then I'm like on the other side well Penn State beat Auburn Auburn beat Arkansas Penn State's got good enough talent to beat SEC teams Penn State hung with Michigan only lost by four Barely lost to Michigan State by three. Gave Ohio State a lot to handle. Despite Penn State's record at seven and five and the inefficiencies on offense, they've at least been a really physical and tough team to play. And I think that's where things are going to end up shaking out here is that Penn State's going to win their defense, only giving up 16 points a game. That's been the driving force for them this year. And without Traylon Burks, which is something that we do know right now, Arkansas will not have Traylon Burks without him. This Arkansas passing game is going to be hampered a bit. It's going to come down to running the football, and Penn State doesn't let teams run the ball on them. Then on the flip side, I think Arkansas's defense is a little bit softer than Penn State's, and at the end of the day, Sean Clifford had a 3,000-yard passing season. If Jahan Dotson plays, I feel a lot more comfortable about Penn State winning this game. If he doesn't, then Penn State's in the exact same situation that Arkansas is, and this one ends up just coming down to who wants it more. Right now I'm going Penn State, but on my bowl mania sheet – on the uh, on ESPN.com, if I if I hear that Jahan Dotson's not playing, then that may change to Arkansas. Uh, I, I'd have to think about it a little bit more. But right now, my pick is Penn State. PlayStation Fiesta Bowl, 12 p.m. on ESPN. Number nine, Oklahoma State against number five, Notre Dame. An 11-1 Notre Dame team that was on the cusp of making another playoff. Oklahoma State lost to the Big 12 championship game in heartbreaking fashion. It's a game of inches, and they lost by inches. I'm going with Notre Dame in this one. Throughout the entire season, 
I was feeling like, you know, as, as the college football playoff rankings started to come out, I was feeling like Oklahoma State was the better team here. But Notre Dame ended the year strong. The offense looks really good. They're not turning the football over, unlike Spencer Sanders and Oklahoma State. I mean, Spencer Sanders put the ball, like gift-wrapped the Big 12 championship game to Baylor. That first quarter and a half of the interceptions and those leading to quick points for Baylor, Baylor didn't score after that. And then the Baylor defense just held on. Notre Dame's got a really good defense. They're giving up less than 20 a game. Oklahoma State does too, but which team's offense has more in the tank? And I know Brian Kelly is gone. This Notre Dame team wants to win for Marcus Freeman. They love that guy. This is a massive win for for that Notre Dame locker room to have Marcus Freeman as their head coach. They're extremely excited, and they're going to play really hard for him. Although the offense may take a little bit of a hit, just not having Brian Kelly and maybe just the, the chaos of the situation. All of that's behind them, and they're able to work forward and prep and prepare for this game. Notre Dame will put something together. I think Notre Dame wins this one. Verbo Citrus Bowl, 12 p.m. ABC, number 15, Iowa, against number 22, Kentucky. Kentucky at 9-3, and three, kind of disappeared off the face of the earth after losing to Mississippi State and Tennessee. And then Iowa at 10-3 and three lost in blowout fashion to Michigan in the Big Ten championship game. I have ribbed Iowa all year long. I have gotten onto this team for putrid offensive play. Kentucky hasn't been the best and the most consistent offensive team in the world either. But you break down... The rotation and the merry-go-round of quarterbacks at Iowa versus Will Levis at Kentucky, there's at least continuity on the Kentucky offense. And this is another game where Kentucky has to be excited to be here. I think Iowa is too, but they're in this situation where they've kind of been losing ground all season since being ranked number two. And those three losses next to their game, their, to, next to their name after a midseason, once again being ranked number two in the country, has to hurt a little bit. And they've they've probably you know they've been up against the ropes, taking some punches this year. They've probably been reeling just a little bit. And Kentucky's got to be coming in fresh, excited. Mark Stoops has signed an extension. They just put together the number eleven recruiting class in the country. This Kentucky team has to be confident. And Will Levis is one of the most confident quarterbacks in the country. Think about it; he's banana pills with the banana i mean that is just that is gross but still confident the guy the guy has a lot of confidence despite some of the inefficiencies with that offense i think that they will be able to win this close defensive contest you're talking about two physical teams i think this fits how kentucky wants to play i think to a degree it fits how iowa wants to play but it comes down to what i said about georgia michigan earlier can you out physical a more physical team and Kentucky's right there with them they got SEC talent the recruiting has been going up they're just as physical as Iowa is probably more I don't think Iowa a team that many times this year has had under 300 yards per game sometimes under 250 200 we've seen games where they've had under 200 yards in a game I don't think that offense is is it I don't think that offense is going to be able to beat a team with the defensive quality that Kentucky has I like Kentucky in this game a lot I'm shocked at how many people are picking Iowa in this game that just maybe it's bias against the name on the uniform with Kentucky but this team they're legit if you watch and you follow the SEC Kentucky is as good as advertised and they've shown that on a year-to-year basis give me the Wildcats 
Rose Bowl game presented by Capital One Venture X. Number 11, Utah, 10 and 3 against number 6, Ohio State, 10 and 2. Ohio State fails to make the Big Ten championship game. Shocker. Utah, after a slow start to the season that had some head scratching losses, they turned it on in conference play and carried the torch in their division pretty much all year long. Goes to beat Oregon in the regular season and then does it again in blowout fashion and everybody's like huh maybe it wasn't a fluke this Utah team is good they've got balance they can throw the football they can run the football they're extremely disciplined you know they're going to be motivated to be playing in this game a bunch of three-star recruits that have a chance to knock off a perennial college football playoff team Iowa State's got to be extremely bummed to be playing in this game despite the fact that it's the granddaddy of them all that despite the fact that it's the Rose Bowl Ohio State finished with a disappointing 10-2 season got blown out by their rival they got to be bummed out a little bit to be playing in this game now with that being said I still think you're going to get effort from Ohio State I still think you're going to get a lot of effort from Utah can that effort from Utah overcome the talent gap here because there's a massive talent gap and I want to pick the upset here and this one definitely has the stench and the smell of an upset when you look at how these two teams trajectories have trended this year and that one team is clearly going to be motivated to play. And Utah's history suggests that they can win this game. Does anybody remember that 2009 Sugar Bowl against Alabama? It's possible Utah can do it, but there's a difference between Oregon and Ohio State. I know Oregon beat them in week two. Those two teams went in opposite directions quickly. Ohio State rapidly improved. Ohio State's still only lost by seven to them. A lot's changed since week two. Ohio State's just got too much athleticism for me to pick Utah. I'm going with the Buckeyes. I don't want to. I want to see this upset. I'd be rooting for Utah in this game, but I just don't see how I don't see how they close the talent gap. All-State Sugar Bowl, 7.45 p.m. ESPN, number seven, Baylor against number eight, Ole Miss. 11-2 Big 12 champions and the Bears going against a 10-2 upstart Ole Miss Rebel team that lived up to what some people that were making bold predictions said about Ole Miss going into the year. This Ole Miss team exceeded my expectations. I thought they could be an eight or a nine-win team, but they took it that one step further, edged out A&M and got to 10 wins. This is a good Ole Miss team. Likewise, it's a very good good Baylor team and I like Baylor to win this game over Ole Miss and it centers around the defense Baylor's defense and there's been a little bit of a defensive renaissance in the Big 12 I don't know where these defenses have come from but I do think they are legit and I think they're going to be able to create some fits for Ole Miss on the ground they don't give up a whole lot on the ground the run defense for Baylor's pretty good especially if you watch them in that Big 12 championship game they were able to limit a good rushing offense in Oklahoma State the same thing I think uh, could happen here will they completely take it off the board from Ole Miss no and Matt Corral is playing that's impressive to me I talked about that with Iowa State that's someone that has a bright future in the NFL that he is deciding to play in this game that he relishes the opportunity for one last ride with his teammates that's exciting for me so I'm pumped to see Matt Corral playing in this game and Matt Corral could end up being the difference maker I think Jerry Bohannon is going to end up playing for Baylor at the end of the day he was available for the Big 12 championship game so I think he's going to end up playing in this Sugar Bowl and that's going to help bring this Baylor offense back to equilibrium they ought to be able to find some balance against that Ole Miss defense that isn't very good this is going to be an excellent bowl game with both of those quarterbacks playing in this one this is going to be an excellent bowl game I think Ole Miss is a little bit worse than 10 wins suggest and what appears to be to me a down SEC and what could be a pretty bad bowl season for the SEC 
Baylor's defense is the difference for me. I think that's what helps them get over the edge in this one. They win a close one, low 30s to Ole Miss, putting up 28 points or so. Tax Act, Texas Bowl, 8 p.m. ESPN. LSU at 6-6 six six against Kansas State at 7-5. Brian Kelly coming into the program, but of course, no more Edo. They have reached their peak, beating Texas A&M. That was their Super Bowl. That was their bowl game. And this is, this is sure cherry on the top for them, but they've lost their quarterbacks. Max Johnson is off to Texas A&M. Miles Brennan announced that he would come back, but he can't play in the bowl game because he's hurt. You look at it for LSU, I don't even know what they're going to do there. I think they have ran out of gas. They got to the finish line. They got to where they wanted to get to. I just don't see how there's anything left in the tank for LSU. And it's not because I want to pick Kansas State. It's not. I don't think Kansas State's that great either. But there's got to be more in the tank there for Kansas State going into this game than there is for LSU. Going into the national championship game. I'll remind you in our last segment, I picked Georgia and Alabama to win in their college football playoff semifinals. We have reached the last game, 40 plus bowl games. We have done it in two hours here on the show. Actually, a little bit less than that because you have to factor in commercial time. We've got two minutes here to talk about the national championship. Alabama against Georgia rematch just like it was in 2018. And I'm going to tell you, it'll be a little bit closer this go round, but the result will be the same. Alabama is going to win again. They're going to be back-to-back national champions. I didn't expect that coming into the season. At the beginning of the season, that was one of my bold predictions was that Alabama would not win the national championship. And, I, you know, somehow this team, like artificial intelligence, continued to learn, continued to get better. The way that that offensive line played in the SEC championship was absolutely shocking. I think it's a bit of a wake-up call for Georgia, but Georgia's got the much more physical, the much more daunting task in their college football playoff semifinal than Alabama. Alabama should be a lot more, should, should be a lot fresher going into this national championship, just to be honest. And I just don't know how, and we've asked this question going into the year with Georgia, would that passing offense finally help them get over the hump to win a national championship and beat Alabama? And we got our answer in the SEC championship game. Stetson Bennett ain't it. And JT Daniels obviously isn't it either because he's backing up Stetson Bennett. The passing game is the Achilles heel for Georgia that they just can't do it on the biggest stage. They haven't been able to do it. And, you know, when I was talking about the SEC championship game, I picked Georgia to win that and I got burned. I'm not doing that again. I'm not doing that again. Georgia has not shown me that they can do it. It has happened too many times now that Alabama has beaten them. I can't pick against Alabama this game. I hope I'm wrong, but um, I don't know if I hope I'm wrong because I think a lot of Auburn folks out there don't know what they'd want to to have happen in this game. So, I like Alabama to win the national championship over Georgia. Um, it just until Georgia proves it to me, I won't be able to pick Georgia against Alabama ever again. They burned me in that SEC championship. That is it for the pre-recorded On the Line Bowl special and the Friday edition and another week of On the Line. I hope everybody enjoys their weekend. I'm sure families are going to be getting together as the holiday season rolls around, getting together for Christmas. I hope everybody enjoys a fun, safe weekend with their family safe driving as you're going out christmas shopping and whatnot and we appreciate you listening to another edition of on the line we'll be back with you live on monday same time same place you know where to find us